Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right. Let's ride it. Woohoo! It's Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. Hence the name of the show being Blair and Barker. Well, you're good. Hey. Well, the uh, the drama is over. The Toronto Blue Jays have announced that they have signed John Schneider to a three-year contract extension with an option for 2026 to return as their manager, uh, which is good because just about everybody in the organization has been briefing everybody on background for the past three weeks that John Schneider was going to be back as manager. Uh, there was no announcement made at the end of the year. I mean, the Jays do have their processes, and uh, you know, maybe today at today's news conference uh, at <clears throat> one o'clock we'll get a better idea of what that process was exactly. But Kevin, nonetheless, uh, John Schneider's back. Can't say we're surprised. I think we thought that some of the holdup might be related to the coaching staff. Maybe we'll find find out more about that. I mean, if you're making a three-year commitment to a guy, and I guess more importantly, if a guy is making a three-year commitment to you, possibly four years, it does make a certain amount of sense that you'd want to have some back and forth about who's going to be on the coaching staff and things of that nature. Yeah, no question. You wonder, you know, what his bench coach will look like. I think all of his coaches seems to be a good relationship there, as best I know. I mean, I know most of those guys. Most of those guys love John. John loves those guys. I think it would be more of if a guy wants to retire, how do you fill exactly. that spot? What do you yeah. do with the hitting coach? Is the hitting coach coming back? Is both hitting coaches coming back? Is there a different thing, a different route they're going to go there? Yeah. You I mean, it's about hitting coaches. <clears throat> Absolutely. You can never have too many guys telling you how to guess at the plate every time you walk up there. You know, don't simplify it. Look for something other than something straight right down the middle. I mean, it's sometimes too simple. But, yeah, I, look, it's about time. Now it's about getting him better options to go to to dominate a season, have a championship season. You can't go to the Anthony Basses of the world and the Tim Mazes of the biggest innings of the season and think you're going to move on and dominate the playoffs. You're just not going to be able to do that. Let's be honest about it. The flipping it anymore. Jeff, have you watched the baseball games lately? How, how many of them dudes flip it first? I mean, you're seeing Fuego dudes cheating, starting to, uh, their swing on the on-deck circle to get it started to try and hit 99. So if you're Ross Atkins, it's right in front of you now. You've, you've solidified your manager. You've made him happy by giving him three years and an option. If you win a World Series, oh, by the way, you're getting another year. And now it's about taking care of your team and figuring out how to make your team much better. And Hopefully they'll do that. They'll move on. And they'll have a good season next year. Yeah, your your point is well taken. Uh, last night, the Astros and Yankees. The Yankees. What 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 are they at now? Thirty strikeouts and and counting over two yeah. games. Uh, pretty much everything you just talked about shown in that game. 
and uh, a 3-2 win for the Astros. We are scheduled to be joined, by the way, by San Diego Padres general manager A.J. Preller in the second half of the show. The Padres and Phillies will play the third game of their series tonight in Philadelphia. It is a travel day for the Astros and the Yankees. The Astros up two games to nothing. We'll deal with that later on in the show. Let's bring in Shai Davidi, our MLB insider with Sportsnet. Shai, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. We we trust you're keeping well. Look, this isn't a, a surprise. It would certainly be a bigger surprise, I think, if John Schneider wasn't back. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of indications, a lot of signs that this was that this was going to be what was done. It was just a matter of going through this whole process. Um, just from your point of view, you know, Rob Thompson was named manager, had the interim tag removed from him on the eve of the playoffs. Now, I understand that's a little different situation because he is managing a team in the playoffs. But was there any surprise at all that it took this long to remove the interim tag, or is this just is this just the way the Blue Jays go about doing business? I would say both. Uh, to answer that, you know, it was pretty clear that John Schneider had taken a team that was floundering and had straightened out some things. And, uh, and you could sort of extrapolate that given more time and a full spring training that a lot of the issues he was trying to address uh, in terms of some of the, the gaps in play or some of the stuff that this Blue Jays team would lose between the cracks and have it cost them games, that that could be addressed more fully with a, a spring training and then establishing that from the outset uh, forward. Uh, at the same time, I do understand the Blue Jays are uh, a very process-oriented team. Uh, they do love their processes and to have uh, to I- examine a situation to as fully as possible. But the thing that I kept coming back to is, you know, they spent two and a half months together in a pressure cooker. And at that point, you you should know, right? It's either you can or you can't. Like, what are you going to discover in that week and a half that you didn't discover in two and a half months of intense pressure? So I was surprised that it took a couple weeks given that. Uh, At the same time, this is to some extent the way the Blue Jays operate as well. I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to this, but do you think it's possible that the Jays did call around to a couple of other teams to talk about either coaches that were available or managers already under contract? I haven't heard that. Uh, you know, the the when I asked around whether they would do that, I, I never got a definitive no that they wouldn't, uh, and that you know certainly something they weren't going to do during the season. Right. And I'm not clear whether they used that the, the, this two-week period uh, to you know ask around or at least have some internal discussions. I imagine they would have at least kicked around a few things internally in terms of you know can they do better. Uh, but the the challenge is you know if John Schneider is your guy and then you start really interviewing other people, you know that's going to get around. Uh, or at least going to get around with the, you know, get back to John at some point, I would think. And what kind of message are you sending to him if you ultimately select him that, you know, you wanted to, that that when he was your guy, you know, it's, uh, you're saying, oh, I know we've been living together. We've had a great relationship for a couple months, but I'm just going to check Tinder a little bit before we we lock this down. You know, it's, it's a little bit (laughs) disingenuous. So I, I don't know how far down the road they went on that. And, Again, you know, if John Schneider was their focus, uh, I, I think it would have behooved them to not explore that route. 
Shy, if I'm John, I I probably want my own coaches. You know, Casey Candale, the 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 bench coach, <clears throat> and on down the line here. Do you see anything different happening with the coaches coming back one way or the other? Yeah, I would wouldn't be surprised if uh, we saw at least a couple of changes there. And it's worth remembering that Charlie Montoyo didn't really get much much say in, in the coaching staff when uh, when you know he he got the job, and uh, I'm sure that's one of the things that. John and, and Ross discussed uh, over the past couple of weeks is what the composition of the coaching staff might look like and who stays and who goes. And I, 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 I think that, you know, I think it, we can assume that, P, uh, that Pete Walker is going to be back. Matt Bushman is going to be back. Uh, and, you know, I wonder, you know, Casey Kandel came up from AAA as sort of the emergency bench coach. And I wonder if that's maybe a spot where John Schneider can find someone where he's a bit more comfortable with that person has a long-term relationship with them. Uh, and so I, I think that that's an opportunity to see some changes. And then uh, we'll see what happens with some other spots. Uh, but I would expect the majority of the staff to be back. That's my guess right now. Uh, but I think it would make sense to let Schneider have uh, some more input than certainly Montoyo had in, in picking out some of these coaches. So you know, that composition can be just the way that he likes it. Shy, do you think the organization is happy with Guillermo Martinez? I, I haven't heard otherwise. And, you know, it, it's uh, they've kind of created this, I don't know if three-headed monster is the right word, but sure. you know, they've got him, they've got Hunter Mance, they've got Dave Hudgens. Each of them is doing a, a little bit of a different task. And so, you know, it seemed that Guillermo was, Oh, I think we you know. I just... wonder if you know. Do they just want to change maybe the way that that process is streamlined? I don't know that for a fact, so I don't want to speculate. But I mean, I haven't heard any any issues in that way. Uh, but I wonder if just again, you see a lot of teams going with a lot of different constructs for their hitters, and you know, do you do something different there and. Again, and how much of this is is personnel too? Like, like what are you going to do with these with, with some of these guys? Like, do you want someone coming in doing things different, drastically different? Is it? Uh, is, or do you have an issue with the approach? Because this was a pretty good offensive team for the the last three months of the season. You know, are, are you really do, you do? What do you want to do that's different? I think that would be the first question. And then, second to that is, you know, do you want to make a change beyond that? Shy, uh, just before I let you run uh, and get ready for the news conference, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. apparently had wrist surgery. Now, we were told at Ross Atkins media availability that the Jays didn't, and I, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, it didn't seem as if anybody was going to need any any surgery other than I suppose they were waiting on, on, on uh, George Springer and some sort of clarification of George Springer's status. I mean, this is... Do we have any idea what caused this this injury? Is this just sort of preventative maintenance almost? I don't know if it's preventative maintenance because uh, there were a handful of times during the season where Lourdes would get a day off uh, to, to for that wrist. So it's certainly something that bothered him, but he was able to to swing through and I went uh, or to play through at least. And you know, the, there was the noticeable dip in his power this year. And, I'm not sure how much of that was him consciously trying to change power for for contact or if it was simply the wrist limiting him a little bit. And so the, my understanding is that he met with more specialists 
and ultimately this was decided to, to be the best route. So maybe upon further inspection, there was a little bit more damage than uh, than the Blue Jays might have known at the t- about at the time. Or maybe the thought was that this will better repair the issue so he can be closer to 100% of himself. So we'll get a little bit more clarity on that later this afternoon. It's one of the questions I was definitely interested in asking. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a little bit more clarity uh, later today. Shai, thanks so much for doing this, yeah. man. Look forward to uh, your uh, article on sportsnet.ca. And thanks again. Thanks, buddy. Anytime, anytime guys. Be well. Take care. That's Shai Davidi, our MLB insider with Sportsnet. And, uh, yeah, that was a little news item that came out yesterday. Actually, Lourdes Instagrammed a picture of him looking very happy in his hospital bed with uh, his wrist bandaged up. I, you know, my only, my first thought, because it is the off season, is, you know, we've talked a lot about how this team is going to have to make some moves in the off season. Mm-hmm. It would stand to reason that Lourdes might be one of those guys, if not in the trade block, certainly in play. I, you know, in the old days, Kevin, we would say, "Wow, does this hurt his trade value?" But I think we know enough now with teams that, and and with with surgery, that surgery doesn't necessarily scare teams scare teams away from uh, from making a move. But but it is interesting, isn't it? Because we talked about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and the lack of power this year, and 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 maybe that's maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, for me, it's not. It was more about the league that made an adjustment to him. He was trying to go the other way. Didn't have tremendous power the other way. I mean, let's be honest about mm-hmm. it. Line to line is not his that's strength. True. No, when he not, hits, right. when he goes big fly, it's centered or to the pull side. So for me, that's why you saw the dip in the in the home run and that production. And he he made a change. He was thinking more about leveling his swing out, using line to line with line drives, not thinking about hitting the bottom part of the baseball because he knows he doesn't have tremendous power the other way. Why try and go over there? You'd rather hit a line drive over there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, again, I, I just know if you're Ross, you're sitting around and, and you're looking at these teams that are in the playoffs, man, alive. Like, it, there, there's no question. Like, you, your team's good. Like, your lineup's good enough, I think. Mm-hmm. It's good enough to, to make a decent run. Your pitching's not even close. I mean, let's not lie about it, Jeff. Like, the, the bullpen arms that we see these teams go to, who, who name a guy in the Blue Jays, I, I guess Romano. I, I guess he's a I guess he's a sixth or seventh inning guy for some of these really good teams. Let's be honest, That's he had fair. a really good year. That's but he ain't he didn't have a good enough year to be you know legitimate eighth or ninth inning guy on one of these teams. So no. that for me is eye popping. When you watch it, it's just you see the arms that these managers have to, to are able to go to, and you look at John Snyder and you wonder, you know, Tim Mazes of the world. Like you're moving and and you're hoping he locates and he's tricking people and somebody gets out in front and rolls over one. That's that's hard to do long term. So yeah. If you're Ross now, all of a sudden you got your your manager all taken care of, and again, it's always nice for a guy to be happy. John's happy now. That's what he's been trying to do forever. He wanted to be a big league manager. Now he's a he's a big league manager. But I would think the first thing you'd want to do if you're John's get you a bench coach, somebody you trust, somebody that's your guy, somebody that you know you text back and forth. And I'm not saying he doesn't do that with Casey, but that's not his choice. So I say you give if you're Ross, you give him that guy, and then maybe you fill in the blanks everywhere else. Yeah, in the old days, and I keep saying this, the old days, but it's true. In the old days, there was the coaching staff was always there was always a give and take uh, with the coaching staff, and mm-hmm. you know it was it was almost okay. General managers and front offices always like to have guys in the clubhouse, yeah, eyes and ears. I mean, they just do. They, you know, they just do. That, that's the way it is. I mean, every every organization has done done that since. 
you know, since 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 baseball has has begun. I mean, there's there's trade-offs. This is a manager's guy, and you know this if you're a player, or you know this if you're a reporter. This is the manager's guy. This is the front office's guy. I mean, that's just the way it is. This is an organizational guy they brought up because he's a smart young guy. They want to give him a chance. I mean, you can sit there and you can look at each coach, find out where they played, who they were roommates with, and all. I mean, it's you know obvious. We're dealing, we're we're dealing with human beings here, and it can, you know, it can get testy. I I remember covering the Blue Jays when Gord Ash fired Rick Langford as Jim Fergosi. I think it was Rick Langford or Gil Patterson as Jim Fergosi's pitching coach. Anyhow, he fired Jim Fergosi's pitching coach and brought somebody else in, and Fergosi was livid. Like, yeah. it's my, you, you know, you you don't do that to my coaching staff, mm-hmm. and. I'm not saying John that it's necessarily the same thing with John Schneider, but there is very much there is very much a give and take when it comes to that, and it stands to reason. You want a guy that you can – it's not somebody you can rely on. You want a guy that you can call into your office, close the door, and say, what the hell do I have to do to get through to this dude? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a guy for me that, that sort of speaks the same language you speak. That, that, that for me is sort of what you want your bench coach to do is he's, he's sort of a reflection of who you are, what you do, what you believe in. If, you know, you get thrown out of a game, you don't miss a beat because he's basically you. I, th- I think that for me, if I were the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, I'd want my own guy. You know, every, everywhere else, sort of their pitching coach, and I don't know what they're going to do with their hitting coach. Anything that they've done offensively, I mean, they're in the top five and everything. You know, what they didn't do in the playoffs, is that Guillermo's fault? I I don't know. Again, this gets back to that khaki thing. How, how much do you really believe that the game plans that they're walking to the plate with is all the hitting coach? I I don't know. I mean, most of the names that are, that are in that lineup are really good, been there and done it before. They should have their own plan. Right? You know what you do well, what you don't do well. You should go up and attack it that way. And a lot of the times we don't see that. Is that the hitting coach's fault? I don't know. Again, I, this is very hard for me to speak to. I'm assuming it's hard for you to speak to. We're not in the room. We're not in the batting cage with this dude. We don't know what he speaks, how he speaks to guy. I always think this this about a, a hitting coach. I've been around a bazillion of them. Half of them weren't any good. I mean, let's not lie about it. Half, half, half of them you just look at and they say things to you. You look at them like they got three heads and you have no idea what they're speaking. And then there's some of them who just know how to speak the language. I look, it's it's this time of the year in 2022 to be 2023 next year. I think you have to simplify it as much as possible. And when you get a hitting coach who knows how to get you out of struggles, mm-hmm. it's 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 all fine and dandy to know how to soft toss a guy when he's red hot and everything's balanced and he's driving down and through the baseball. He's using the entire field. He's laying off the breaking ball, strike the ball thing. It's all fine and dandy to be a hitting coach that way. It's those guys that know how to speak the language when you when you stink to get you back on track and. Everybody I've talked to said Guillermo's the first guy there and the last guy to leave. I, take that as you will, if that means that you keep him around. And that, for me, will be an interesting thing to see sort of how much blame they lay on that guy. I mean, yeah. we could say it that way, right? Well, yeah. I that I think is, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily put it that way. I, I'd, I'd, when, when you have I – mean, here's the thing. <laughs> Guillermo Martinez isn't the reason that they collapsed – against the Seattle Mariners. Nope. Uh, the reason they collapsed against the Seattle Mariners is John made a decision that didn't work out. Um, and, you know, whatever the, the thought process behind it is, the fact of the matter is John made a decision that didn't work out. And then they had that 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 sort of play. That they were up a de- touchdown and gave it up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not going to run around and say that Guillermo Martinez is to blame. <clears throat> 
and I don't and and I know the organization doesn't think that way. They they take a much a much longer term uh, look at things and and take a, a deeper dive at things. But I will say they are very, they are very right-handed. If they don't change that, yeah, maybe they yeah. need a little different voice to get all the righties on the same page all at the same time. Well, That's I, all I'm saying. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't care who you you could bring Jesus in as a as a hitting coach. If you have the same lineup out there next year, you're going to have the same issues you had right now. Well, maybe he says go yeah. look heater. Stop guessing so much. Looking breaking ball all the time when dudes throw 99 miles an hour. Uh, by the way, we will carry the news conference live on Sportsnet 590, the fan from uh, 1 to 2. The Blue Jays announcing John Schneider signed a three-year contract with an option for 2026, which I think brings him his contract in line with that of general manager Ross Atkins. So the boys are attached at the hips as of now. Maybe they'll exchange rings or something today because they are attached at the hips uh, from this point going forward. Um, let's shift our focus back to the ALCS. Kevin Barker, Astros are up two games to nothing. 3-2 win last night. Framber Valdez. Uh, man, it you know, the, the story. <clears throat> Thinking back to, to Framber Val- Valdez's first year in the majors, and, and I think this is the story of the game, that inning where he makes those errors, you got runners in second and third with no outs. The old Framber Valdez just melts down in front of us, and and the Yankees go on to win that game. Uh, yeah. I mean, he got out of that. He got out of that inning, and 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 more than anything else, that to me was yeah. The strikeouts were great, but more than anything else, that was what impressed me is getting out of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Give him credit. Sounds like he he got he got with somebody in the Dominican Republic and, and helped him work on the mental side of the game. If you do mess up, if you do look like you've never fielded a ground ball before, don't let it eat you. Don't let it fester and kill you and and your and your team in that game. And and he did exactly that, dude. He's got nasty stuff, Jeff. I mean, that is about as easy ninety six, ninety seven, and we saw some ninety eights from him. Yeah. That's about as easy as it gets. That little finish that he has, that he the way he finishes, and he's got two pitches coming off the fingers the exact same way. The sinker and the curveball. He had twenty five swing and misses. Against that lineup, who's left? He's left-handed. He had sixteen of those off the curveball. So you know that curveball is about is is the, the spin rate on that thing's about twenty eight hundred RPMs. Now I'm not big on that, but you can tell why they have such a tough time picking it up because what that is, the higher that number is, the further it goes before it starts spinning and has its break, which in turn makes it harder to pick up. You think it's a sinker. Because it comes out of the hand the exact same way. And they're doing all this with Altuve and, and Alvarez and Tucker basically not doing anything. I mean, they're, they're up two to nothing when those the three big guys in your lineup are really not doing anything. Altuve and, and Alvarez is one for eight, three Ks. Like, they've really done nothing. So, to be able to come out of this the way they've come out of it and, you know, if you're the Yankees, give Aaron Boone credit that we talked about the lineup yesterday, adjusting, yep. doing some things, you know, mixing it up before it gets – too late to do it, and he did it, and it looked like it helped a little, right? Mm-hmm. It, it brought some guys up in big situations that you want up, which is a big deal. It's just now guys buying into two strikes. That two-strike approach, we saw Torres do it yesterday, and he put a ball in play as they scored a run that way. Can anybody else do it? I mean, other than Judge and Stanton, can anybody else shorten up with two strikes, maybe eliminate a leg kick to your ear, get it down a little sooner, choke up? Rizzo chokes up more than he normally chokes up before he gets to two strikes. So I think that for me is the key. They got Cole. They got Cortez going. Like they're mm-hmm. still in this thing. They got a decent chance. Now it's just for me a veteran lineup buying into 
two. You get to two strikes, it's okay to be able to, you know, let it travel and slap it the other way. Will, are they willing to do that? That's the question. Kevin, if you're Dusty Baker, now you are, you've, you know, you've won all these games, but you haven't blown anybody out. Are you okay with that at this point in time? Absolutely. It's about winning. And the, the Yankees are a really good team. I mean, that, that that's just what I mentioned. you got three of your big dudes in your lineup who are, who are really not doing anything, and you're up 2 nothing because your pitching's really good. You play good enough defense. You run the bases. And enough guys are getting some big hits when it matters the most. And, you know, if you're dusty, if you just stay out of it. Just, I mean, I, again, I, we have this same conversation every time we talk about the Astros this time of the year. Right now, he's going to the right guys. I mean, when you can go to Ryan Presley, who walks a guy and then punches out three dudes in the ninth inning, and that Brian Abreu guy, who, what? I mean, it's like these dudes, they, he just keeps running out there, throw a bazillion with a with a breaking ball. It's like the Brian Abreu against Stanton. He, he threw a 3-0 slider and then threw two 99s, one right by him and one he took that was way. It's stuff like that, right? It's just they have elite stuff coming out of the bullpen. They have elite starters. Uh, it's I, I just right now I just don't know how you beat them. But I know if you're the Yankees and there's some guys over there that need to go home, look at themselves in the mirror and go, dude. I know I don't have a two-strike approach, but maybe I need to uh, get one in the next couple of games just to at least give our team a chance to compete and win a game and steal one to get this thing back to Houston. Yeah, I wonder if maybe the off day won't help them a little bit here too, you know, because it has been like a whirlwind. Clinch, beat the beat the Guardians, have some beer and champagne, jump on a plane, go, go on, face Justin Verlander, face Fromber Valdez. Now you at least get a chance to – collect your breath but the, the the lineup you know we had Jeff Francoeur on yesterday and he was asking well, why don't they have Pedraza in the lineup mm-hmm. you know he, he or, or I'm sorry Jeff Nelson uh was on a couple of days ago said why isn't Pedraza in the lineup put some youth in there put some athleticism put some some guys who are excited and then of course Jeff Francoeur came on and said hey what about Harrison Bader in the leadoff spot and we saw I'll credit Aaron Boone we saw him make that move and and, and I wonder Kevin if looking back it would have been easy to make those moves in game one and sell it to people and say, I'm giving, you know, look, we played a ton of baseball lately. I'm giving some of our guys a break here. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see what happens in the Bronx. I mean, if, yeah, you're the- a Yankee, if you're a Yankees fan, the thing you are taking away from this is we struck out a lot and we still we're in all those games. Yeah, not and having we had opportunities to break those games. Not having Le, not it. having LeMahieu and Ben Attendee's a big deal. Big you you, you big could put difference. you could put DJ LeMahieu at third and and not play Josh Donaldson. Yes. That would be huge, yes. right? Guys that let the ball travel, use the entire field, don't try and hit home runs who have two strike approaches, yep. who can hit a breaking ball, who can hit velocity. Those two dudes not being in the, in the lineup are huge for the Yankees, but they're not. And that's what I said again, some guys need to go home themselves in the mirror and go, you know, if I'm Josh Donaldson, I can't kick it to my ear with two strikes. I used to be able to do that. I can't do that anymore. And now if I'm going to be playing and I'm going to be mattering to this lineup, I'm going to have to make some adjustments. That'll be the interesting thing. I, Lance McCullers Jr. pitching in game three, I believe. I mean, good luck with that. He's going to get a bunch of spinning. He's going to spin it like crazy. He's going to elevate it. He's going to pitch in to some dudes with some slow bats. This is what I said. You got to have some you got to have some guys make it, buying into getting some approaches that are a little bit better than the ones we've seen the first two games. And if not, it's going to be quick. The, mm-hmm. They're, they're going to rip that. The, the Astros are going to rip that Band-Aid off in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
No, I, uh, I, I called them in five games, and everything I've seen so far suggests that. I give the Yankees a chance with Garrett Cole because Garrett Cole's been very good. Sure. And Garrett Cole seems to have you know, the ability to rise to the occasion. But again, 30 strikeouts through two games, that's just you – know, I know power plays, power hitting, power power pitching. I get it. That plays in the postseason. The numbers back up that it plays in the postseason. But that doesn't mean that you can't go up and have that two-strike approach. There, 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 there are times where you're in almost survival mode. And and the idea really is to put the ball in play and let the next guy come for, up for, and try to for, put the ball in play again. Further to your point, the team that out-homers the other team in the playoffs is 16-5. and five. Yeah, it's that's, 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 that's the way it is. The Yankees have been out of homer the first two games. They're 0-2. I mean, it's yeah. real simple. Against these really good pitchers, you just aren't going to be able to string together a couple hits in a row, and you're going to need a bloop and a bomb. This gets back to the point of, of your point, too, the strikeouts. Buying into choking up, slapping a ball the other way, giving yourself a chance. A.J. Preller is president of baseball operations and general manager with the San Diego Padres. Game three of the Padres-Phillies NLCS goes tonight in Philadelphia. A.J. Preller joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Game three of the NLCS goes tonight in Philadelphia. The San Diego Padres and the Phillies tied at one game apiece. Joe Musgrove on the mound for the Padres. Ranger Suarez for the Philadelphia Phillies. A.J. Preller is president of baseball operations and general manager of the San Diego Padres, and we're very pleased that he joins us in Blair and Barker. A.J., thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. We we trust that you're you're doing well. We Trust that Philadelphia is treating you well, and uh, congratulations on getting uh, getting this far. Uh, so, as as a general manager who is a, a known to be a very active general manager, what do you do in the playoffs now? You can't add anybody. You know, I know there are some roster moves that have to be made. There's some logistical things, but what what's this like for a GM this time of year? Yeah, and honestly, I think it's uh, you know a little bit of a little bit of roster planning, you know, a little bit of decisions about who's on the roster for the series. But once you set the roster, it's basically like you know, again, just watching the games, being a fan, and you know, being a little nervous and anxious and excited, and you know, kind of enjoying it. But uh, but there's there's not too much you can do at this point in time. AJ, every time I look at your lineup, I look at one guy. I mean, he's, he's real easy to look at, Manny Machado. Obviously, we've got the track record with him because he's came from the American League East. But what's the one thing that stands out to you on an everyday basis about Manny Machado? Yeah, Manny, I mean, he's he's obviously he's one of the best players in the game. And, you know, I mean, he's been uh, he's been tremendous. I mean, his whole career. But, uh, but this year, uh, really start to finish, uh, obviously – you know, with the uh, situation, you know, I think like all year long, being a leader, both sides of the baseball, uh, on the offensive end, he's been as consistent as anybody all year. He's been a, you know, true middle of the order uh, producer, and 
on the defensive end. You know, he makes uh, you know he makes a difficult play with routine. He plays the game so easy. His his arm, his game clock, um, you know, everything is you know is difference making on that end. And he's he's been the guy that's 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 really gotten the team in, in the place that it's been from a from a mindset standpoint and everything like that. He's he's been unbelievably committed this year. The team looks to him. And, you know, he's matured a ton over the years. And, you know, I think, again, a lot, a lot, a lot of times there's, there's players that are well-deserving the MVP award names as deserving as anybody this year. He's, he's been our guy for sure. AJ, when you when you commit to a guy like that long-term, um, you know, obviously you're putting, you're putting some faith in the person as well as the player. Has there been any, has there been any part of Manny's development that has – I'm not going to ask you if it's surprised you, but that I, I guess has been a bit of a maybe, maybe a pleasant surprise or or exceeded your expectations. Yeah, it was cutting out a little bit. But I think talking about different different guys and that have, that have kind of exceeded the expectations. Was that the question overall? Guys that have you know, been pleasant surprises on the team as we play deep in the playoffs. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think. I think overall, I mean, Hassan Kim, you know, obviously with, with Tatis being being out for the year, um, you know, I think having Hassan Kim step up and, uh, you know, he's, he's a player that's, you know, coming from the KBO two years ago, last year was a year that, um, you know, he got adjusted to the league and got, you know, used to seeing Major League Baseball every single day. And this year, uh, you know, the big hold of Phil, he's been tremendous and he's been probably as, as underrated a player as we've had on our club. And he's been a huge part of what, you know, the reason why we're playing deep into the playoffs defensively man, I think he's up for finalists for the gold glove and he's been really consistent and, and you know if the ball kicks to him it's an out he's made some great plays as well and offensively he keeps getting better and better and he brings you know brings great energy every single day and he's a very intelligent baseball player so I think he's it's fun to see a guy like that on the national stage start to get some recognition because he's been a key contributor all year and you know we have a bunch of different stories obviously you don't play this deep into the playoffs if you don't have a lot of guys that have contributed but Hassan Kim's been a guy that uh you know, has really uh, has really played well for us all year. AJ, what's it like to see you know, players that you have gone out and acquired at the deadline rise to the moment the way we saw Josh Bell and uh, and 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 Juan Soto and you know, frankly Josh Hader since since the first game of this series? What's it like to see that happen in, in front of you? Yeah, I think I mean again we have we have you know. We have a really good, you know, group and in baseball operations. There's a lot that goes into it. It's not, you know, obviously from the GM standpoint, you know, you, you're the one that makes the ultimate decision. But I think it's a great feeling because, you know, you know the work that your scouts have done. You know the work that, you know, your front office, the R&D group, the scouting group, the analysts. And it's really a team effort. And I think, you know, some of the deals we've made over the years, um, you know, you could point directly to, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Keith Beck or Dave Post or James Keller or Pete DeYoung, on and on and on, that, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the fans don't know those names, but those are the guys that are making the recommendations. They're giving me the information and providing me the information. They're the ones that are, you know, that are, uh, that, that are doing the work and, you know, and, and, and making those evaluations and putting their, their necks on the line um, and to go out and see it, you know, play out and see those guys contribute in October when, the whole world is watching. It's a really cool feeling, you know, because as a group and an organization, we spend a ton of time doing that. And, you know, all the work that's gone into it, and it's been fun to see. And it's a credit to uh, to a lot of people in the organization, uh, you know, that's playing out on the big stage for us. AJ, how has Josh Hader turned it around and looked like he's looked the last couple of outings? 
Uh, I mean, he's, he's one of the best in the game, you know, so I think obviously we made that that acquisition there at the deadline. We did it because he's been as good as anybody. And when you have these, these A-lane performers, uh, there's a reason why they're, you know, part of its talent, but a, a bigger part is, you know, mental toughness and makeup. And I think he went through some struggles this year for the first time really in his career. And it started a little bit at the end there in Milwaukee and, um, you know, maybe the reason why he was available as well. You know, he struggled a little bit at the end there in Milwaukee and, um, you know, his first uh, his first month with us wasn't you know wasn't wasn't easy. But when you're that type of performer and that more and more important to have have the mental toughness and the makeup that Josh has, there was a lot of belief and faith in him. And you know, I think uh, it just took him a little bit of time, maybe post trade, to get used to the new environment and fix a couple things mechanically. And he's been unbelievable, really. At the end of the regular season, he looked like you know the hater of old, and in this postseason. You know, he comes in the game, and it's it's been dominance. And being part of our club is being able to shut the teams down, you know, late. And, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's throwing the ball as well as anybody right now. When you're sitting there and looking at that deal, and you're right. I mean, he, he, he had he'd had some issues in Milwaukee when the deal was made. I mean, that that is a bit of a leap of faith, isn't it, as well? You know, you're, you're basically banking on the fact that you're getting the guy of the the past three or four years compared to the guy of the past three or four weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think again, in that deal, you're looking at the track record of what Josh Hayes has done for, you know, the last five years. And he's been in these, these moments. He's been a ton of pit. Milwaukee's played a lot of great baseball. They've played in the postseason every year. I think that was part of the, you know, that was part of the calculus as well. As well as he's been playoff tested. He's been in these moments. He's not going to scare. He's obviously incredibly talented. You know, I think for, you know, for the Brewers, they were able to, you know, they understood that, you know, at the end of the day, they were able to get pieces here for the future. And uh, for us, I think, you know, getting a guy that, you know, can get those huge outs and shut down games late in the game, that's what we needed. And, you know, again, I, I think uh, I think we're, we're betting on the talent, the person, and the track record. And he's, he's stepped up huge for us here in the last couple of weeks. Is there one thing you can put your finger on with Brandon Drury that tells you, wow, because he was at the Blue Jays a couple of years ago and he was a hard trier. He, he was trying to figure out to try and be this Brandon Drury. But how did he turn in, in your mind, to being this Brandon Drury who's hitting fifth for you guys and hitting home runs and, and getting big hits when it matters the most? Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's had it again. Like, I think, uh, you know, you, you see some guys, it's a, you know, real easy path to the big leagues and a, and a, and a quick path and everything like that. Most guys, they, there's a lot of challenges and struggles. And I think Brandon's always been a really talented player, you know, getting to the big leagues early and then, you know, having some success. And then he's had a, you know, again, I think like you mentioned, he's battled a couple different things. And I think he's, you know, his swing is very simple. He's got real power. Um, and I think he's had some struggles. And I think for him to, to come through that, learn a lot about himself, learn a lot about his swing and his mechanics and how he does things, I think all that's been a big part of it. I think he's a guy that, you know, we identified early in the season. He was off to a great start in Cincinnati and felt like he could be, uh, so, you know, if the Reds weren't in contention, he could be somebody that could help us. And he's done, you know, he's, he's, he's done a really good job for us. And, again, I think a few swing adjustments and then probably a bigger thing, just getting more and more comfortable with the league and himself and going through some of those struggles, put himself in a big in a good position, and he's been a big part of uh, things for us in the middle of the lineup here the last uh, couple of months. You know, AJ, I heard you refer to the your R and D department and the analytics department with the Padres. But you know, in talking to people around the game, one of the things they say about you is you 
you go out and scout. Like people, people have said they'll see you. They'll see you out with you know with the scouts, whether it's high school or, or internationally. You kind of believe in getting out there and seeing things for your own. Uh, how do you in this day and age? Is it is it more difficult to find that balance between? what your eyes are telling you and what the numbers or what the analytics are telling you? I, I don't think so. I mean, I think most of the times, honestly, they go hand in hand. I think there's not a lot of, there's not a lot, a lot of situations where you see something and, you know, and, and, and the performance or the numbers or the data are a lot different than what your eyes are telling you. I think, you know, there's still no real substitute for seeing somebody in person, you know, looking somebody in the eye, talking to them. The makeup component is such a big part of it. I mean, like anything, you know, and, you know, any organization you're a part of, um, you know, it's, it's all about the people and then how they fit together and, you know, the kinds of people that, that, that are successful. So I think we talk about that a ton as a group. And, you know, in terms of the performance and, and, and how that relates, um, you know, I think a lot of times, honestly, like the eye test is usually, you know, kind of when you, when you watch a player, you usually see what the, uh, what the numbers and the performance uh, they they line up. If they don't, that just that just leads to questions, you know. And I think we'll just ask those questions. And again, most of it's about just having the most information. We try to be really thorough in our process over here. Uh, don't always make the right decisions or the decisions that end up being right. But uh, we feel like we have a good process. And ultimately, I think it's why we've had you know we've seen a lot of players get to the big leagues and, and hopefully keep winning some games. Uh, I just want to ask one more question because uh, we did cut out a little earlier when we were talking about I, uh, you. You talked about players that had maybe exceeded your expectations. One of the things I, I the question I'd asked before we cut out was about Manny and just whether there was any part of his game or his development as a person or player that has exceeded your expectations. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, we had high expectations from Manny when we signed him because he's been so good and, you know, kind of on that Hall of Fame trajectory. Um, I think really, really everything. Offensively, he continues to get more and more consistent. I think he's had, you know, the last three years, he's probably had three of his best offensive seasons in his career, you know, in a place that's not that easy to hit, you know, in Petco Park. Um, defensively, I think you know what you're going to get, and he's, he's, he's been that guy, that gold glove type defender consistently. I think, you know, the biggest thing that, that people, you know, I think early in his career maybe got, a, maybe got a bad knock for, you know, from some different things that happened, you know, some of the incidents in Boston and whatever. Manny loves to play baseball. Like, that's the number one thing. He plays. He posts. You know, he had the knee injury early in his career. But since then, it's, it's 160 games every year. It's 600 at bat. And, I mean, the things we've seen from him over the last few years, playing through injuries. He had the ankle injury this year where it looked like, he broke his ankle when he stepped on the bag. It was one of those ugly, you know, ugly instances you don't want to watch again. And, you know, five days later, he's back on the field playing. Uh, he loves to play baseball, you know, and I think our team takes his cues, takes his, you know, his cues from him. And he's a guy who just absolutely loves it. And, it's, uh, you know, I think we thought that when we signed him, but we've seen it every single day here over the last four years. And it's a big reason why we're here today. AJ, we're going to let you scoot. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for your patience with the uh, telephone issues, and uh, best of luck. Yeah, good luck. All right, appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Take care. That's AJ Preller, president of baseball operations and general manager of the San Diego Padres. And it is interesting. I've, I've spoken to I've, a couple of guys I know, a couple of scouts I know in the game, and they talk about how you'll see AJ Preller. At, he'll show up at a high school game. Now, of course, you're the GM of the San Diego Padres, and there's a lot of good high schools in the area, right? So, but he he will do that. You'll see him at you know Arizona spring training. He'll show up at Brewers 
Brewers Guardians game. Um, and that's just, and it is interesting because you know the Padres, frankly, they have a reputation. They 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 at one point spent less on analytics and R and D than any other team in baseball. They were they were one of the bottom teams in that regard. And it's just a philosophical thing. And you know it does help. Look, it helps when you're it helps when your owner basically says sign him, trade for him. You know it helps when you've got an owner like that. But uh, you look at the moves he's made. <laughs> Kevin, I mean, some of them are. I, I people forget he traded Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think about that. That's he's made some moves that have backfired and some moves that have worked out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, he's got a, a really good starting rotation. He's got a great closer. Uh, he's got a great manager in Bob Melvin. Don't forget the manager that he brought over that they signed, that they needed that calming voice who had been there and done mm-hmm. it before, who understood how to handle big-time names, attitudes, uh, personalities, which is sort of the job of a manager this time of the year. you got to know how to do that, right? When it's not going right, I'm sure Juan Soto, when he's struggling, is not the easiest dude to deal with, right? I mean, it's just the, he's an alpha male. Most alpha males aren't. So, yeah, they got a lot going on there, right? And, and for them to to beat the Dodgers, for them to go further than the Dodgers have, have gone in the playoffs and, and be where they're at, having Joe Musgrove pitching game three on the road in Philadelphia is a big deal for them, right? He's one of the guys that's been there a, a long time, and, and they got a really good team. It's just, it'll be very surprising. If Juan Soto was to get hot, how good mm. would this team look then? Like, just oh. get smoking hot where you can't get him out. Now, if you're an opposing team, I mean, what what would you do then? So, you know, for, for their sake and for Padres fans, hopefully he gets hot and they can make a serious run at this. I'll say this, Astros, Padres wouldn't be a bad World Series. Oh, no. No, it it, it would not be at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's why I, you know, when people looked at the Padres-Phillies series, and I've been, I've been pretty clear, I, I find the Phillies a hard watch at times, but... You've got some star power. I, I, you know, Harper, Soto, Machado. I mean, that's mm-hmm. three pretty good players. You know, those, those are those are guys you would pay to go see, and just to go see play. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a fascinating series. I I have no idea, Kevin, how this series is going to turn out. I truly don't. I don't have I don't have any idea. If Ranger if Ranger Suarez pitches well today. Yeah, Phillies have a shot. I just, I just don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, it's, yeah. For it's, for me, it's a weird series. For me, if if Bryce Harper's better than Manny Machado, the Phillies win. If Manny Machado's yeah. better than Bryce Harper, the Padres will win. That's me. Agreed. Agreed. I think it comes down to those two players, and me if too. someone else steps up and and maybe tips it tips the balance another way, it would help. But but I'm with you. I think at the end of the series, we'll look at Bryce Harper. We'll look at Manny Machado, and if one's numbers are better than the other guy's numbers, um. Will you know that'll be the team that's won the series? We uh, didn't mention at the start of the show the Jays. By the way, had five Gold Glove winners, or not Gold Glove winners, five Gold Glove finalists. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., Whit Merrifield. They've added a utility player's role this year. Vladdy, that's no surprise. Chapman, that's no surprise. Brios is always one of the one of the candidates for uh, the former shortstop. And this year he had a lot of balls put in play, so he's always one well. Of maybe the he can play shortstop next year. Stop it. Man. That's what we need. We, we don't have enough shortstops. We don't have enough shortstops. 
in this team or people who want to be shortstops or people who think actually we've got more people who shouldn't people think shouldn't be shortstops and play shortstops but uh and you know there's predictable Manny Machado is not a gold glove finalist which again it drives me nuts but the voting here the voting here is player is players and managers isn't it or coaches and managers coaches and players or something like that. I mean it's not it's not writers it's people in the game who are who are who are who are voting on this so um and and there is apparently there is a saber you know saber metric aspect to this as well and it's remarkable how many people look at these and they're still unhappy with the finalists like there are some things that do make you shake your head they do make you shake your head that's like a pretty Manny good list Machado. though that's yeah I'd, I'd like Manny Machado too to be Manny on that not, list yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but I still like that it, list. It's an all right list. Yeah, I, I've looked at it, and I, I always look at it this way: Are there? It, it's not so much who isn't on the list. Are there people on the list who shouldn't be on the list? That's where I kind of, hmm. you know, where my eyebrows get raised. And generally, on these lists, there aren't. Everybody on that list has a case. Are, are there case? Are there people who've been left off? Yeah, but everybody on there should be on there. So anyhow, it'd be interesting if Vladdy wins a Gold Glove. I don't know how many of us saw that coming three years ago. I'm putting my hand up. I sure as hell didn't. Me either. Unless they were giving out, unless they were giving out gold gloves at DH. Hmm. That's it for us today. That's it for us this week. We'll be back Monday from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan, please rate and review wherever you get your favorite podcast. A reminder: one o'clock today, Mr. Barker and myself will be anchoring. The Blue Jays news conference. John Schneider has been given a contract to manage the Blue Jays. Three years and an option. Talk to you later.